Welcome to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. At Village, we seek to be shaped by the life of Christ, to practice authentic friendship, and serve the world. You're invited to join us at either our Mission Campus or our Antioch Campus. For now, we hope you hear a word for your own life in this sermon. We are continuing the parables of Jesus as they are found in Matthew's Gospel. And the congregation that Matthew writes to is a congregation that is under pressure. They are trying to discern how it is they can most faithfully bear witness to the Lordship of Jesus Christ in a culture that is very suspicious of that faith. And so Matthew's trying to encourage his congregation in the things that matter most. And with that in mind, let us, we'll read from Matthew, the 22nd chapter, we'll be reading the first 14 verses. As we come to this, let us first join together in prayer. Gracious God, because you are God, it is your word and your word alone that is life for us. And because you are gracious, we trust that you will speak to us. We are here, O oh God. We are listening. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So let's listen for God's word for us. Once more Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his slaves to call those who had been invited to the wedding banquet, but they would not come. Again, he sent other slaves saying, tell those who have been invited, look, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they made light of it and went away, one to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized the slaves, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his troops, destroyed those murderers, and burned their city. Then he said to his slaves, the wedding is ready, but those, who, but those invited are not, were not worthy. Go, therefore, into the main streets and invite everyone you find to the wedding banquet. Those slaves went out into the streets and gathered all whom they found, both good and bad. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guest, he noticed a man there who was not wearing a wedding robe, and he said to him, friend, how did you get in here without a wedding robe? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, bind him hand and foot and throw him into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Amen. I never read that passage on Mother's Day. <laughs> Jesus told lots of stories. They're all about the kingdom or the promised day of God. 
The promised day of God is obviously a foreign enough concept to us that Jesus has to repeat the stories over and over and over again. See, I'm not the only one who does that. As we've learned, he tells lots of stories about seeds and weeds and agriculture, but his other favorite topic, his other favorite topic was feast, banquets, parties. Most of the stories about feast are found in Luke's gospel. Among the gospel writers, obviously, Luke is the foodie. He likes to eat. But this parable of the wedding feast is found in Matthew's gospel. And Matthew takes the story of Jesus and edits it a little bit. He edits it for his congregation a bit, I think. You can see Matthew's fingerprints in this story because Matthew loves hyperbole, just loves it. The story goes... Guests are invited to the wedding banquet of the king's son. You've seen how people react to a royal wedding. They kind of go nuts. It, it's the lead news story for, for weeks. So you can assume that an invitation to the king's wedding feast was a coveted invitation, but there's a surprise. When the dinner bell rings, the invited guests diss the host and refuse to go. They make excuses. Now, Matthew doesn't elaborate on what the excuses are. He just says they made light of the invitation. So the host does what we'd expect the host to do. He sends troops to kill the ungrateful invitees. Sounds like the kingdom, right? Then he compels folks off the street, folks who have not been invited to start with. He tells his slaves, go in and bring in whoever you can find, good and bad, just anybody will do, bring in. So they go out, it's your lucky day. The king has invited you to the wedding banquet. Come in and enjoy. And, and finally, the wedding hall is filled with guests, and we can breathe a little sigh of relief. Maybe the story will be okay after all. But then it takes a turn for the worst. The king, in the midst of the feast to celebrate his son, spots a guy over by the punch bowl who doesn't have a wedding garment. Evidently forgot to slip one in his lunchbox when he left that morning to go out, do whatever he was going to do. Let that be a lesson to you. Never leave without a wedding garment. So the host does the only reasonable thing you can do with someone without a wedding garment. He binds him hand and foot and casts him out of the out of the banquet, not just back on the street where he came from. No, he cast him out where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus says God's promised day is like this. Really? Weeping and gnashing of teeth? In the summers of my childhood, vacation almost always included a visit to my grandparents who lived out of state, and I love visiting my grandparents. My grandmother had a way of making me feel that I was the most important person God had ever created. Yea, all who had come before were just trial runs waiting for me. 
She would be on the porch, front porch, when we arrived and we'd get out of the car and she said, get over here. I haven't seen you in a month of Sundays, she would say. She talked like that. I haven't seen you in a month of, get over here. You're getting so big. Give me a hug. Nobody treats you like that. I mean, think about it. When's the last time you went to work and people said, I haven't seen you in a month of Sundays. Get over here and give me a hug. Nobody treats you like that. Just, just grandparents. But that same grandmother who greeted with me, me with hugs and made peach cobbler just because it was my favorite, if she thought, saw me thwack my younger brother because he was annoying and deserved it, she would say to me, Tom, if I ever see you do that again, I will hang you by your thumbs. Think about that. My grandmother says she's going to hang me by my thumbs. Makes me hurt now to think about it. Is she going to do that? Not in a million years. Not a chance. She had trouble sending me to my room. No, this is just grandmother talk. It just means this is important. She's trying to say something matters here. Don't hit your brother. It's important. It's grandmother talk. I, I think Matthew was a grandmother, or he at least talks like one. He's trying to say there's something of importance, and we don't want to miss it. And what he says is most important is you need to wear a wedding garment. If you don't, you're going to get tossed out of the party, and nobody wants that. There's weeping and gnashing of teeth. You need to wear a wedding garment. Well, why does that matter? Years ago, I got an invitation to go to a Christmas party. I was excited. I, I, I wrote down the date and the time on my little you know, phone, and then I tossed the invitation, which was a mistake because I'm sure that on the invitation was mentioning something about the dress code. I showed up at the party. I was a little bit late, which is my custom. I showed up at the party a little bit late, and I stepped in the foyer, and everyone was dressed to the nines. Tails, tucks, white tie, dresses that glittered, and there I was in my Christmas sweater. Standing in the foyer, or I should say the foyer. And I was about to turn around and just bolt when the host, like the king at the wedding party, spotted me. And he said, Tom, so glad you're here. Come, let me introduce you to everybody. And I'm thinking, no, I don't want to be introduced to anybody. He said, oh, come, come. Everyone, this is my friend Tom. I'm standing. I would have grabbed a tray and started serving drinks, but those guys were dressed better than I was. It was an awkward 15 minutes. But here's the thing the host didn't throw me out of the party. I can imagine the fun he had at the conversation after I left, but he didn't throw me out of the party. So, what's so important about a wedding garment? I was talking to a friend who doesn't come to this church. I was talking to a friend uh, recently, and he said, Tom, you go to church a lot, don't you? I said, yeah, pretty, pretty regularly. And he said, I've been thinking about going back to church. I haven't really gone to church since I was a kid. 
got my vaccination now. I'm getting out. I'm thinking, I said, well, you should come to Village. I think you'd really like the people there. He said, yeah, but what would I need to wear? That's what he asked me. What would I need to wear? I said, clothes. <laughs> We're big on clothes. We really like it when people wear clothes. Other than that, don't really care. We're just glad for you to come. Now, I realize in, in a post-COVID situation, I do need to distinguish that pajamas don't count as clothes, okay? Don't, don't misinterpret the text here, all right? Why does this poor guy get tossed because there's no wedding garment? Well, it's not because he didn't change his clothes, if I understand the text. It's because like the first guest, he made light of the invitation. Clothing is a metaphor. In the early church, when new converts were baptized, they discarded their old robes and they put on new baptismal garments. It was a symbol of setting aside one way of life and claiming a new way of life in faith. It was just a symbol. And it's, it's all over the New Testament. Ephesians has this in mind when it says, clothe yourselves with the new self. Colossians reads, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. In Galatians, Paul writes, as many of you as were baptized in Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. This is what Jesus is talking about in this parable. These are the clothes that we wear. In baptism, you just heard it. We proclaim that we belong to God, not because of anything that was within us, but because of the love that lives in God's heart that claims us just because we belong to God. You don't earn that. You don't have to earn it. You're not worthy of that. You don't have to be worthy. It is a gift. But it's not a gift that should be taken lightly. It is a love that should shape how we walk through the world. Nothing is more important than that. You don't get invited to the king's banquet and belly up to the shrimp cocktail, wiping the sauce on your t-shirt. You don't do that if you remember whose banquet it is. You don't do that if you know that it is love that has summoned you. When I was in second grade, my teacher was Miss Fleming, and in spite of this, I learned to love her. Miss Fleming was a seating chart teacher, you know? She had everybody assigned seats. That's just because she couldn't remember our names, and she's trying to remember our names. So she started, and she also, this is what I remember about her, she separated the, the guys from the girls. We were second graders. She probably thought that that was helpful. Separated, so she had the guys in alphabetical order and the girls in alphabetical order. So she started on the list that she got first day of class. Uh, Bobby Addison, she said. So Bobby got up and walked up. She said, oh, yes, you'll be right here in the number one boy chair. She said, you're in the number one boy chair, Bobby. And then Laura Alexander, yes. Laura, okay, you're on this side, Laura, you'll be the number one girl chair right here, darling. Hmm. Um, Tom, 
Lorraine? Is Tom short for Thomasina, she said. I said, no, that's me. She said, oh, I'm sorry. I just didn't know if it was a boy's name or a girl's name. Second grade, the kidding never ended. I went home to my father, and I complained to my dad, why did you name me Lorraine? It's a stupid name, I said. He said, well, it's my name, and I wanted you to have my name. I'm Thomas Lorraine, and you're Junior. You're Thomas Lorraine, Junior. And I said, well, I hate my name. I said, I hate it. He said, well, pick another one if you like. You can pick another one. I thought about Hank Aaron, but that was taken. And so such it is the way it is with fathers and sons at time. I made light of my name being a junior. Last October, my dad came home from the hospital on hospice. And my son, who is not Lorraine the third, he and I jumped in the car and we drove to Atlanta so that we could say goodbye. While, he, while we were there, he had me pull off the wall a, a, a picture that he had taken with his own camera of Hank Aaron breaking Babe Ruth's record. He took me to that game in April of 1974. He said, I want you to have this. And I told him how fortunate I was to be a junior. It was an honor to carry his name. It's not something that I would ever make light of. Am I making any sense to you? Jesus would tell us that there's nothing more important than our faith. Not our jobs, not our vacations, not our portfolio, not our Christmas sweaters, not our work. Nothing is more important in our faith. That is what we carry through this life, and it shows up in the way we love one another. So if we make light of our friendships, if we make light of issues of justice, if we make light of others, then we've missed the point of the day. We've missed the point of the party. The love of God that is proclaimed at our baptism should define how we live in this world. It's a love that should live through us, and if we miss that, I don't know that it's evil so much as it is just a waste. It's just sad. It'd be like being in the middle of a wedding banquet for the king's son and acting like you're getting a hot dog at QT. I mean, you just miss the whole point. To treat the love of God that way, well, we might as well be thrown out of the feast, thrown out where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. And my grandmother, who's waiting to hang you by your thumbs. <laughs> Let's pray. Gracious God, we believe. Help our unbelief. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. Learn more about us at villagepres.org. And we invite you to join us again next week.